Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is July 6th. Happy Independence Day to all of our American listeners. And Pride Month is now behind us. Jim, I, I, I went to, I guess I went to three Prides over the course of, of that month. Denver with you and then L.A. went to a couple things. And, and World Pride, and I'll tell you, there was an energy at each Pride that I just felt was so positive. And we talked so much about all the disaster that's happening around the world and the political climate in this country. But I mean, everywhere I went, even in L.A. that had that cockamamie political protest at the end of the Pride Parade, it really felt like our community was celebrating this year. Well, I do think that things can work on parallel tracks. You have political, you have the political, then you have the sort of social personal. I think on the social personal, at least in the Western democracies, things are going much better for gay people. I mean, Germany all but legalized same-sex marriage uh, last week after for years having only civil unions. And we see the strides that have made in the U.S. So, and I think, these, I think the whole pride thing has now become something that's become, for want of a better word, institutionalized. And it's, it's getting a lot of support from, you know, it, it's, it's no longer considered unmainstream. It's very mainstream for cities and organizations to kind of be involved in this. And I think we saw that, you know, this year and maybe because of what seems to be the uncertain political climate, people are more wanting to go out and be visible at these things. So, yeah, I went to Denver and I went to uh, L.A. and I noticed some of the same stuff you did. Well, and and I was in in Madrid for World Pride, and I got to tell you, it was – I was blown away. The entire – city embraced pride there were rainbow flags everywhere there were rainbow flags on the city buses they had turned the crosswalk signals to two women or two men holding hands there were the the courthouses were lit up in rainbow the 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 the, the, um, the, the seat of government was lit up in rainbow every single business had a rainbow a flag uh, in it huge buildings covered in, in rainbow and it was just it was shocking to me to see this capital of this catholic country i mean completely embrace this seeing straight people everywhere at the in the plazas uh, dancing with drag queens and and listening to lgbt musicians i mean it was just it it, it was it was shocking it, it really was and i just i just i'd never seen anything in the united states quite like what i experienced in in madrid at world pride well, what is World Pride supposed to mean? So, uh, good question. <laughs> uh, it was started in 2000 when I guess the Pope said uh, some really anti-gay things, and, and, and a bunch of people said, okay, well, guess what? We're going to bring the world to, to Rome and celebrate uh, Pride. So they, in 2000, they did that. In 2006, they held the second one in Jerusalem as another uh, statement about religion. And every few years, they award a world pride to a city. It was in Toronto. It was in Madrid this year. In two years, it's in New York to celebrate 
to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. So it's just it's just supposed to be a, a, a place where the entire world comes to celebrate pride together. And and it, it was so neat meeting people from Israel and Argentina and Brazil and uh, and, and Sweden and, and, and Croatia. I mean, it's, it's people from all over the world descended on Madrid. They said they had two million people there and it just again it was just it was unbelievable to see the the whole city the government the businesses the the people the straight people the lgbt community there just totally embraced this event it was it really it was just it was it was it was probably it was certainly the best pride i'd ever seen and it just felt really neat it just i was i was smiling all the time and i you know teared up a couple times which is i guess not a surprise if you know me exactly that's not a shock um but yes, I'm old enough to remember when Spain was run by a fascist dictatorship, and so to think that 40 years later, and it was—it's been a lot sooner than that in Spain. They've had it for a while, but to see the change—I mean, General Franco would be turning over in his grave. I mean, it really is a huge, huge sea change just in my lifetime, at least in Western democracy. So. Um, I think it's just fantastic that something like that is sort of is going on and has kind of been embraced by people. Yeah, well, and and obviously we've we've seen a lot of changes in the sports world as well, and um, and and watching the sports world embrace the LGBT community, and frankly, the LGBT community embraced the sports world, and uh, something that I'm kind of writing a little piece about for next week. Um, but one of the places that we have seen. Uh, I think a lot of change, and I guess he can correct me if I'm wrong, is, is, is even in MMA fighting, the, the macho world of MMA fighting. And I was kind of uh, thrilled and, and surprised and, uh, to, to get a Facebook message from uh, uh, one of SB Nation's MMA writers, Dave Doyle, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, saying that he was gay and wanted to come on our podcast to, to talk about that, Dave writes for MMAfighting.com, which is one of SB Nation's big MMA fighting sites. And, and Dave, I hope, is on the phone with us now. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. Dave, you're on with, with uh, Sid Ziegler and Jim Bozinski. Uh, it, am I reading this correctly, that you live in Los Angeles? I live in downtown L.A., yeah. Well, you should come visit. I'm in Silver Lake, Sid's in the Hollywood Hills. I I don't know. I hardly ever get out of downtown these days. But, uh, yeah, twist my arm. I'll come visit you. All right, I work downtown, so no excuse. (laughs) What's your favorite gay bar downtown? Precinct. Yeah, I'm a precinct guy. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I used to be a, uh, fault line Eagle type of guy. So, you know, that, that should give you a, a clue kind of what, what crowd I run with. I also kind of dig the Jalisco bar, which is, uh, uh, it's a little off the way, but it's, um, it's a very, very, very Mexican bar that has like $2 drafts on, uh, on happy hour. And no, they didn't pay me to say that, but, uh, if you want to do something a little different than everything else, that's a fun time too. Well, give our listeners just kind of a, a background. You, you, you're, you're, you've been writing MMA for a long time. I'm not. I know it's been at least a decade, but I'm not sure exactly how long. Just give, give us and our listeners just a little background of, of where you've been and, and where you are now. In addition to MMAfighting.com. Sure, sure. So I was originally um, uh, just kind of a you know 
just just on the grind doing the general sports type of thing. I uh, started out at the Boston Globe, was there for five years. Um, and, um, eh, skipping a couple steps along the way here, but in 2006, I was working for FoxSports.com as just kind of a, a night desker, basically. And this was around the time that MMA started to become – if you if you remember maybe about a decade or so when the first real boom happened where all of a sudden the UFC was just everywhere, um, right at the right right at the uh, right when this first started, um, and I had been a longtime fan, but going back to the very very in the early '90s when it was considered this like horrible outlaw anything goes uh, type of thing, which it really wasn't, but that was a reputation. So. Um, I pretty much just raised my hand with my boss and was like, well, no one's covering this, and it's really, really popular. And I just nagged him and nagged him and nagged him until he gave me a chance to write about it. And since I was pretty much the, like, like the first for a big mainstream site to start writing about it, all of a sudden I went from being just a fan to being considered an export. And within a year I was – working as full-time as the mixed martial arts and boxing editor for Yahoo Sports. I still write for them part-time. And uh, I don't know, I just basically got in on the ground floor. And, you know, MMA, it's just been kind of like a little runaway train over the last 10 years. I just got on the train just as it was starting. And here I am talking to you guys. Uh, Did you work with Jim McCurdy at Fox? Yes, I did. Uh, Jim was... Uh, he was, uh, I, I want to say he was like the managing editor back then. Um, yeah. didn't really see, he wasn't really part of like the day to day, you know, he wasn't really hands on with the, uh, with the desk at the time, but yeah, Jim was a good guy. Yeah. I worked with him in another paper. Nice. Yeah. I don't, um, well, I just remember, I haven't talked to him in a bit, but I remember him as a good dude. So you, you haven't talked publicly much about being gay. You've been out on social media. Obviously, people dug into your social media. They could have unearthed some of the clues. But you haven't really been out front with it in, in the past. And so I'm, I'm curious why you want to talk about this proactively now and, and also why you reached out to us to, to be that vehicle, and you're, given you're part of MMA fighting. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're thrilled that you, that you did. Just curious what, why us and why now? Um, you know, it just, it just, the time seemed right. Obviously you guys are, uh, the, just kind of the leaders as far as, um, um, LGBT issues and sports go. So, uh, that, that seemed the most appropriate venue, but that said, um, you know, I don't know. I, for, for years and years and years, I was always able to, in my head, I, I, uh, compartmentalize just the notion that, um, well, I'm a reporter. It's not about me. Just real old school, like, you know, it's not about me. The readers don't want to hear about me. Um, that was always my excuse, even as I was completely out of my personal life, you know. Um, and um, I don't know, just somewhere, something just didn't quite sit right with me. And I still don't feel like, you know, I don't want to be like, the you know, quote unquote, the gay MMA writer. Um, I I actually joke at my, my MMA fighting colleague, Mark Raimondi, we were at a UFC 213 media day in LA. And I was like, look, it's not like I'm going to walk in here now with like a, you know, wearing like a rainbow flag as a cape or something like that. Like I still want to be, I just want to be known as a good MMA reporter and an accurate MMA reporter. But at the same time, um, you know, 
MMA is a pretty rough and tumble world, and and there's there's um, I you know we can't get through a year or two without some sort of controversy coming up related to LGBT issues. It seems like in MMA, and it just it did just didn't sit right with me that I was staying completely quiet through all this. You know um, that whenever like something would would happen like on on uh, on two levels one being that as a writer if i'm writing about lgbt issues as it relates to my beat and my um and, and my readers don't know that i'm gay i feel like i'm kind of holding something back and not being fully truthful and writing something that has my name on it and um yeah and, and just um I actually uh, lost my train of thought on what the second part of that was, but that was the main, um, you know, that was, that was the main impetus for it. Well, but it seems to me that one could be open about a facet of their private life that could help inform the way they write about issues from a perspective that, say, a in this case, a straight person can. And we've seen it in other venues with Steve Buckley writing for the Boston Herald. He doesn't write hardly any columns that are quote-unquote gay columns, but he will occasionally dip into it when the subject matter is appropriate. The same thing with um, Chris Hine, the Blackhawks reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And when issues of LGBT sports come up, Chris will write about these things as a gay man to give the reader a sense that here's a perspective you may not be looking for. Is that something you can see yourself doing when issues crop up? Absolutely. And, you know, I was just um... – I've, 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 here's a, a story that I haven't told publicly before, but now it's kind of a now it can be told type of thing that um, that kind of ties into what I was just saying here before. But one of the things that came up over the last few years, there was a controversy about three or four years ago where um, there was a fighter named Josh Thompson who actually isn't a bad guy, but he's uh, he's kind of like uh, one, one of your like he'll he'll throw out. He's a pretty hardcore, staunch libertarian, and he'll kind of throw out questions that, uh, you know, they're kind of like trying to go to people, and there, there seem to be a lot of people like that in MMA. But um, so he got in a bit of hot water for making a couple dumb comments on gay marriage, and I don't remember specifically what they were off the top of my head. But I wrote in an opinion piece, in a fan reader feedback piece, um, I basically wrote not defending Josh Thompson's words, but saying – you know, no, don't go ahead and fire this guy just because he said something dumb. Like, let the fact that he's saying something stupid, let, like, the, the public, uh, if people want to consider him dumb for saying that, that's punishment enough. And I wrote that, and, um, you know, so I wake up, like, that went live early one morning. I wake up the next day, and um, I'm basically, you know, you know how it is. Like, you're lying in bed, and you're looking at your phone, and... uh my my notifications, I am being just absolutely harassed on Twitter by, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to name this person, but a pretty notorious Twitter troll in the MMA world. And he's doing this all like, well, of course, you know, of course you're taking this position from like white, straight, privilege, blah, 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 blah. And it was actually kind of funny because at the time I the guy I was seeing was like with me at the time and we're both like, I just showed him my phone. And I'm like, look. Check this out, and, and check like like check this out. He's calling me like straight privilege, not just straight privilege, but white state straight privilege. And this guy was like Salvadorian, and um, so 
I actually I came so close to having like the greatest coming out uh, uh, story ever because like I took a picture of, of me and this guy like smiling and waving and I came so close to posting on Twitter like hey uh, troll like you know greetings from the uh, the the white straight privileged guy and his brown boyfriends yeah, I came <laughs> so close to hitting send on that and I stopped myself and um, you know like as I pulled myself back from that and got like less heated, it was like, you know, okay, A, that would have been pretty funny. And B, like if I had, like if, if I had, um, if I had been out with my readers, like none of this mess would have ever happened in the first place. So I could have come at my readers from a far more authentic and heartfelt position if they knew, even though I was taking kind of a contrarian approach in this particular issue, um, if they knew about me and who I was and, 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 you know, what was going on in my life, then I, I, you know, would have been more authentic with my readership and maybe I failed my readers in that regard. So even like little, obviously it's not, things aren't always as crazy as that, but whenever things like that pop up in the sport, it's like, well, you know, why am I wasting all this mental energy on, um, on, uh, on things like this when I could just be open and out and hopefully, you know, encourage other people in my little realm to uh, do the same. Well, obviously, being gay and being trans are two different things, but a few years ago, the MMA world was uh, wrapped up in uh, the story of Fallon Fox, who was transgender, and there were, you know, accusations flying around about her and cheating and, and whether she belonged in the sport. Uh, how did you feel you know, not sharing who you were, but watching this LGBT person go through what was a pretty rough treatment by a lot of MMA fans and, frankly, a lot of MMA writers? Yeah, no, that was um, that was another. Um, you know, that actually might be like the case in point. On, I wish I had spoken up. Um, look, I do think there was a legit there were because she was the first uh openly transgender athlete um male to female to compete in uh, such a public forum i do feel like there were uh because she was a trailblazer there were legitimate questions that needed to be asked about you know I, you know I, what am i trying to say is it not not is it right but you know to to, to educate on um to educate on, on transgender issues. And that got lost in just the worst, um, that, that got lost in just the worst, most mean spirited, uh, juvenile. Um, I can just go on and on here. Like it was, it was very tough to sit back and watch, uh, people who you expect to be smarter and who expect, um, you know, you, you expect them to be, um, I don't know why I'm like struggling for words here, but uh, you get what I'm saying. Like it was difficult to sit back and watch the the torrent of abuse on a personal level she was taken, as opposed to maybe there was a legitimate um, line of questioning to to be asked about um, about uh, about transgender fighters. So yeah, that I don't know. That was another one. Like if I look back and have like a few regrets, like why didn't I speak up then? That would have been another issue. Well, let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the transgender part, and we're talking about you as a gay man. There are maybe nine or ten open female gay fighters, lesbian fighters, maybe a couple are bisexual. 
uh, including Amanda Nunes, who's fighting, or Nunez, who's fighting for the championship this week. She, the one who knocked out Ronda Rousey, I think last December. Um, why do you think it is easier for women to have come out in the MMA when we have had zero, what I would call elite level? Um, male fighters come out, and you, we know they're there by statistics. But why do you think the women can come out and basically everyone kind of yawns about it? You know, I I, I wish I had an easy answer to that, right? Um, there's I, I I do think you can tie this back into the sports world at large, right? I mean, how many out WNBA players are there as opposed to in the NBA? All we have is Jason Collins. Um, it just I don't know that you can necessarily – I think it's pretty much inextricably linked to the same questions you can ask about the sports world in general. Um, I do feel that, you know I, – I see, I feel that a, a gay, an openly gay fighter, male fighter, would be uniquely suited to um, become a star in a way that – um, in, in a way that, you know, maybe a, a gay athlete might not necessarily in a team sport because – in, 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 in this goes for combat sports in general. This goes for mixed martial arts and boxing and what have you. Like, it's not just about your skill as a fighter. Obviously, that's if you don't have the skill that the crowd is going to see through you. But you have to be able to sell and market a personal story that, that connects with fans. And I think there's um, – I, I honestly believe that there are enough uh, gay and gay-friendly fans – in mixed martial arts that, you know, if someone wanted to take that and own it, that it would be theirs. And I don't think that, you know, I really don't believe that it would, from the promotional end, that it would be a detriment. Because, I mean, you know, Dana White, as long as you can make Dana White, the UFC's promoter, a dollar, he doesn't care if you are, you know, black or white or, or gay or Christian or Hindu. Or, as, long as, as, long as, you're, as long as he senses that you can make him some money, he's going to give you a promotional push. And I think the fact that uh, Amanda Nunez is still being, um, still being pushed in the main events, um, she's openly out and she's lesbian. And, you know, the fact that she's beaten Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey in back-to-back fights also helps, um, helps sell her. But, you know, the UFC hasn't in any way tried to hinder her development as a drawing card. She's going to succeed or fail on her own terms. So, I mean, if, if that's any indication, I would be really surprised if, um, you know, again, if, if anyone was, if, if the UFC would hold back on a fighter because they came out of the closet. So I just might be like a kind of, kind of a roundabout way to get back to how I started here. But again, it's just a matter of uh, someone mustering the courage to get out there and do that. And, you know, I don't know that it's all that different than any of the other major teams, any of the other major sports. In Richard Richard Deitch's post Ryan O'Callaghan column, you talked about coming out more publicly now to help change MMA MMA culture. Uh, kind of two questions on that: one, what needs to be changed, and and two, do you think just being out can help change that, or, or do you have to do more than just being out? Um, you know, there's, I mean, the the there's still. MMA, this is the reason why I'm kind of hesitating there, MMA is like there's more to MMA than meets the eye. Like if you're just kind of parachuting in on the sport, it seems like this uh, just testosterone-soaked, you know, like 
uh, appealing to meatheads type of thing. But uh, it's it, a wide variety of people. Like, you know, I, I have for, for everyone along those lines who, who reads my stories, I, I, there are like three who are like, you know, I don't know nerds who love jujitsu or um, like women who took up self-defense classes and just kind of fell in love with the competition or stuff like that. There's a wide range of people. And unfortunately in that, within that, there's still that element of, um, you know, when, when uh, that, that element of kind of, of uh, there's still homophobic people that are still, um, you know, a little too uh, well tolerated. Like they, they might say something, and we'll all kind of collectively look the other way where we shouldn't. And, um, you know, I don't know that uh, I, I kind of want that to change. And in terms of coming out, I mean, no, me coming out isn't going to just change. You know, it's not like I snap my fingers and, and the world is going to change. But it does take just one at a time. People have to come out. People have to speak up. People have to, um, you know, I mean, there were how many people actually, how many people actually, um marched in the, in, the, in the first gay rights march as opposed to now, you know, I mean, uh, just visibility and, and speaking and, and knowing when to, again, I don't feel like I need to come out every time and say, you know, well, this is my uh, opinion as a gay man, but when it's appropriate to and when it comes up in, in, in major stories and, you know, I feel like I need to chime in going forward. So how are you going to handle that? You, you're sort of basically coming out on our podcast, but... Uh, are, are you planning to write something for the for MMA uh, website about sort of a coming out story, or how are you going to drop it on your readers? When or are you just going to wait for an issue to come up, and then you're going to say, "By the way, I'm writing this as someone who has basically been openly, you know, gay in my private life for the last X number of years." Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I don't think uh, you know. I think the ship has sailed in terms of doing like a specific coming out column because I mean, I'm, I'm on here. I did the thing on sports illustrated. I've been interacting with, with uh, readers on Twitter. I just think the next time inevitably something will happen. Something will say someone, someone will say something stupid or, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, it, and I just feel like I'm prepared to the next time at a controversy related to LGBT issues. Um, comes forth just to say like you know hey this isn't cool and i mean i haven't specifically spoken to my editor about how to handle that yet but i just feel like i'm kind of diving in the stream and going swimming here so to speak well hopefully your your editor will listen listen to, to what you feel <laughs> is appropriate uh when, when that comes up dave where where can we catch ufc 213 and, and when is it this saturday yeah it's uh saturday um it's in Las Vegas. It's on pay-per-view. Um, the early fights are on Fox Sports 1. If you're, like, curious and thinking, like, on the fence of whether to get it, check it out and see if it's for you. But, you know, it's not my job to plug the UFC. It's my job to plug myself. So uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Dave Doyle MMA. And prediction on Amanda's fight? Uh, ooh, it's going to be a tough fight. Um Valentina, her opponent, Valentina Shevchenko, is um, a decorated kickboxer, and uh, when they who has relatively recently come over to MMA, and these two fought two uh, just a year ago, and Amanda, Amanda won on a unanimous decision, but Shevchenko was coming on strong late in the fight, 
Um, so it's pretty intriguing because um, this is a five-round fight instead of three. So does Amanda have the stamina? She's a strong starter, very heavy-handed, heavy-fisted fighter. Um, the intrigue in the rematch here is does she have the stamina to, to go five if she has to, which she never has. But, um, you know, Amanda's just on such a roll that I'm, I'm, I think she, she, knocks her out. she knocks her out this time. Smart move, picking the lesbian on your uh, on the time talking about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us, and, and, and we'll catch you, you down it. at Precinct one of these Saturdays. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye, Dave. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's Dave Doyle, MMA fighter with MMAfighting.com and Yahoo Sports. Uh, well, that was that's so interesting, Jim. You know, he, he's been through, a, like he's talked about, a couple of – Eh, bad moments for UFC for the LG and LGBT issues and keeping quiet. And now he doesn't want to keep quiet anymore. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's something we see more and more of from, from writers. And it's a voice that people need to hear. And I think it's one that has more gravitas when you're writing about those issues, when you're out yourself. Yeah. And, and I think the gravitas is, is, is a, is a good word. And, and also, I mean, just, just the fact that you're, the fact that his readers now know that they're reading the words of a gay man writing about this sport, it will have an impact on those people, and uh, and you know, ins- inspire other people to to be their true selves. Like we talk about, coming out is the most powerful thing you can do. Uh, you, again, you can watch Amanda Nunez hopefully retain her world championship on Saturday. Um, Dave will be there, uh, so check him at Dave Doyle MMA at Dave Doyle MMA. Until then, uh, this is Sid and Jim. We'll talk to you next week.